0: You are listening to the Live Diet Free podcast. I'm your host, Esther Avant, personal trainer, sports nutritionist and weight loss coach. I'm here to help you lose weight for the last time without sacrificing your quality of life to do it. So pop your headphones in, go for a walk and learn how to become the healthiest, happiest and most confident version of yourself. Welcome back to Live Diet Free podcast. Today's episode is a book review that has been a long time coming. I have probably teased this book for, I don't know, six months or so, which really is a testament to just kind of how chaotic the last several months have been. I started reading this book months ago. It was on my bedside table in Germany, unfinished. It did have a bookmark in it, though, to my credit. And now here we are in the United States, and I finally finished it very annoyingly realizing that I had already typed up my notes for as far as I had gotten when I started it and then assumed that I hadn't, couldn't find that notebook, started over and had pretty much the same notes the second time around. So there's that. But anyway, I don't even know if I've told you what book we're talking about today. It's called The Book of Boundaries by Melissa Urban. And I think this is such a relevant topic. I often talk about how the exercise and nutrition big rocks are the tip of the iceberg when it comes to lasting weight loss and that there's so much more beneath the surface that we don't realize is interwoven with our long-term success and it's things like setting boundaries, that we don't realize the reason it's so hard for us to stick to an exercise routine or the reason that we're so ravenous and cranky come evening is because we're not setting any boundaries during our workday, that a lot of the challenges that stand in the way of the consistency that we need to see results come back to your ability to set boundaries So that's what today's episode is all about and this book is a, a, a hefty one. it's uh, almost 400 pages and that's because it includes a lot of actual scripts, examples of in this situation what how do I set a boundary which I think is super helpful. I'm going to read several of them to you verbatim from the book, but I would recommend that if you identify setting boundaries as something that you could, a skill that you could strengthen, that you buy the book because there are so many specifics in there that I'm not going to get into in this episode uh, because I'm trying to keep it to the ones that are primarily relevant to a weight loss kind of focus. Um, But again, it's called The Book of Boundaries by Melissa Urban. So if you like this episode and you want more of it, pick up a copy. So to start off, she defines boundaries as things that mark the limits of behavior that are acceptable to you, where words or actions beyond that limit cause you harm or make you feel unsafe. And I think something I had to remind myself as I was reading it is that when she references causing harm or feeling unsafe, that's not necessarily like physically harmed or physically unsafe. Mentally matters too. If it is causing you harm in, in the sense that you are not able to do the things that you need to do to prioritize your mental or your physical health, that counts. That, that warrants a boundary. It doesn't need to be that you are in like this perilous situation. It could just be that the lack of a boundary is having a negative impact on some aspect of your life. So essentially boundaries are the clear limits that you establish around the ways that you allow people to engage with you so you can keep yourself and your relationships safe and healthy. And that's in, in relatively broad terms. Something she's really clear about throughout, and I think that's a really important distinction, is that boundaries are not used to tell other people what they can or can't do. Boundaries are a way to help you plan or communicate a response to what other people say or do. So there are different type of types of boundaries that you'll set for different situations. If it's something relatively minor, you're going to set a, a gentler boundary. If it's something that could actually cause you real harm, like threaten your your sobriety or things like that, you want to be a lot more firm. But that in general, being able to set boundaries is an essential skill, and. You don't need to be in serious danger to benefit from setting and holding them. They can just enhance your quality of life, improve your mental and physical health, make you happier, etc. And one thing that she mentions is that a lot of us are in the habit of just sort of letting a lot of things go that we actually don't like. We just kind of tolerate it because we don't want to, you know, be a nag or things like that. And And she actually talks, I'll, I'll get to in a minute, about sort of the gender roles and how women are generally less inclined to set boundaries and kind of stand up for themselves in these ways. But that when you, when you do try to let things sort of roll off your back, of course, if things don't actually bother you, you don't need to set boundaries because you feel like they should. But if you're finding that you're just like kind of gritting your teeth and tolerating a lot of things that you don't actually like Those can pile up and cause resentment and anger and frustration. So it might be that you're just so used to being quiet about things because you don't want to inconvenience anybody or make anybody uncomfortable and you just don't realize that you've been allowing people to kind of run all over you for a really long time. But at the end of the day, like how much more enjoyable would your life be if you knew that your needs were respected. If you felt comfortable verbalizing them, people respected them. And also you knew that when they didn't, you were willing to enforce the consequences. So that brings us to the three steps of boundaries that she she lays out. Lays out. Step one being identifying the need for a boundary. So this is starting to recognize what she calls energy leaks or interactions that take more energy from you than they give you, those can be a sign that the relationship is missing a boundary. It might be, these are kind of red flags that you might need a boundary. If you feel a lot of anxiety around a certain topic with someone, if you're avoiding certain people, if you are getting a lot of unsolicited advice, if you feel like a a friendship is one sided, if you're just kind of being agreeable and a, a yes woman so that things go smoothly and you don't rock the boat, if you're being told directly or by actions that other people's feelings are more important than yours, if you feel like you're just continuously getting sucked into conflict or drama if you feel anxious about spending time with somebody all of those can be indicative of needing a boundary in that situation in that relationship and she acknowledges throughout the book that setting boundaries can be uncomfortable we're establishing a limit that hasn't previously been there And we're asking this other person to adjust their behavior accordingly. And that can be uncomfortable for a whole bunch of reasons. But that ultimately, that short-term discomfort is worth it. Because if you don't set that boundary, you're just kind of furthering the story and the understanding that the other person's feelings are more important or worthy than your own. And that when you do set the boundary it can improve the relationship and end that cycle that has you feeling in all these negative ways. So in a way, although the way you think about boundaries right now might be in this sort of negative light of like, oh, it's it's selfish, it's mean, it's kind of cold-hearted, maybe it's kind of bitchy, but you can choose to think about boundaries as an act of kindness towards someone because you're communicating your needs, you're being honest with them, And you're avoiding a situation where you eventually, like, just snap and lash out against them. So she also mentions, like, is it it worth repeatedly falling on your own sword when the other person isn't willing to do something relatively small to demonstrate their respect and care for you? And I think that's really an important one that kind of highlights, like, do, is there some sort of, like, self-worth issue at play here? Um, Because you are deserving of being comfortable and being valued and being heard and understood in your relationships. So if you're finding that you're just always letting things go, letting things slide, rather than setting the boundary, that might be a good place to kind of dig in, do some journaling, some thought work, maybe seeing a therapist about. And that, too, is something that she talks about throughout the book is just how beneficial it can be to work with a therapist to unpack that or to just kind of help you practice and role play for setting boundaries, potentially do, you know, like couples therapy um, to talk through some of these things. But that in general, a lot of boundary setting is very closely tied to communication expectations. Um, So all of that can can be beneficial to work with a the therapist on. So that's the first step of boundaries is identifying that you need one. The second step is setting it using clear, direct, kind language so that when you're done talking, they know exactly where your limit is and how to avoid crossing it. And she, she references how clear is kind, that leaving people to guess what you want or need is, is unkind. So, what you want is to be very specific and not sort of beat around the bush or be vague or kind of hint at things or expect that they know what you mean, but to be very straightforward and upfront. She also talks about setting boundaries kind of in the moment when something happens, maybe in the course of a conversation where you're a little taken aback and you're like, oh, I should say something about this. Um, that first of all, it takes practice to get good at setting them in the moment. It what's more likely is that in the beginning you're just going to kind of freeze, you're going to let something go and then afterwards you're going to be like, "Ooh, like I don't feel good about that. I should have said something. Like why did I not react or whatever?" That's never too late to establish a boundary for the future and to bring up you know kind of whatever whatever happened. Don't let too much time pass so that it's not like, you know, ancient history, but kind of revisit it, explain from your perspective what happened, how you feel about it, why it was uncomfortable for you, and then communicate the, the boundary. Um, when you are practicing setting boundaries in the moment, she gives a tool called boundary alerts, which are like words or noises or gestures that you can use to kind of signal to someone that they've overstepped and it really, what it does is just kind of buys you a little bit of time to compose yourself before you say something. So that might be like, whoa, or you kind of put your, as I said that I kind of put my hands up with like a, the stop motion or like raising an eyebrow or like making kind of a, a sour face or like, really? It just, it, it kind of bridges the distance between what just happened and your response to it and gives you a hot second to be like, Ooh, okay, so... Like, I can't let that slide. I'm just, I just want to say here, like, that I'm not comfortable with that. Or that was, like, super sexist or whatever the case may be. Um, she talks a lot about how important it is to not over-explain yourself when you're setting a boundary. And I know that this is something that I have a tendency to do, is you feel like you need to give some context, kind of rationalize your decision in order for the person to accept it or agree to do it or or understand why you're doing it. But in reality, you don't need to do any of that. And in fact, the over explaining or giving a lot of context can sort of blur the lines and just opens the door for somebody to kind of have a response or retort. And, and now next thing you know, you're kind of like negotiating on this line that you're trying to draw in the sand. So, you do need to be clear and explicit about what the boundary is because people can't read your mind, but you can also just leave it there. The over explaining puts the focus on the reason rather than the boundary, and it just kind of like sets it up that the boundary is not really that strong. If you believe the reframe that setting boundaries is an act of kindness that's going to improve your relationships then you don't really have there's not really a blow that you need to be softening with your explanation it's just like hey this is this is going this is what I need and you hope that and we'll get into this later but you hope that the people who you interact with and who care about you and want the best for you are respectful of your needs without needing to contextualize them another reminder that your, your boundaries are not about controlling another person. They come from you. And you're the one who has to take action to uphold them. So the actual setting of the boundary is, is step two of three. Um, but the sort of the harder work might be actually following through on the consequence if someone doesn't respect it. So that is the the third step is you hold your boundary, and you enforce the consequences if it's necessary. When you're first setting a boundary, you don't need to talk about the consequence right off the bat. It's something that you can add if somebody is repeatedly dismissing your, your boundary. So you don't need to tell your mom, please don't talk about my body. And if you do, you're not going to be able to come over anymore. Right. That's like a very aggressive way to approach it. And I'll talk in a second about her levels of kind of threat assessment. But essentially the first time you need to kind of give the person a benefit of the doubt, like they they haven't known that this boundary exists for you until you say something. So assume the best and assume that that they don't know and that once they do, they will respect it. So just kind of a, a gentler. I Would really prefer if you didn't make comments about my body can can be like, you know, your first your first mention of it. If it continues happening, then you sort of escalate to more firm language and then potentially adding in the consequence of I would I love to spend time with you. But if you're not going to be able to you know, keep body talk or diet talk off the table when we meet for lunch. I'm going to have to take a break from these lunches for now. So then you sort of add it in as it's warranted, not like right from the jump. So before I get into kind of the the categories of boundaries that you can set, I want to just briefly talk about what to do if you don't feel like you're worthy of setting boundaries, or you've just kind of resigned yourself to You know, people don't respect me. My family doesn't listen to me. People at work take advantage of me. She refers to something called unearned guilt, which is a self-punishment that tells you to feel bad for for putting your needs before others or standing up for yourself. And that can come up a lot when you start setting and holding boundaries. And that's something you can do if you notice that coming up for you of like, who am I to think that, you know that I can set this boundary or whatever um, is like acknowledge the feeling and then remind yourself why you're doing it. Remind yourself of the negative consequence of not setting this boundary and remind yourself that boundaries make relationships better and that your needs are just as important as everyone else's. And also she gives the advice to not rehearse disaster, which I love that phrasing because I think probably a lot of us have a tendency to, um assume the worst and just make up these really outlandish scenarios in our head of you know you set this boundary and then one thing leads to another and next thing you know you're like divorced homeless unemployed right it like spirals so she talks about like not rehearsing that things are going to go negatively in fact assuming that like i said all the people that you're setting boundaries with want to respect you and that you're you're kind of assuming the best here, if things don't go accordingly, you can handle that then, but don't anticipate a disaster that hasn't happened yet. Okay, so throughout the book, when she's talking about the different boundaries you can set in the different aspects of your life and what that looks like, she has three threat categories that represent the level of threat that stems from the boundary crossing that you're facing. And again, I noticed myself being a little bit resistant towards... The term "level of threat" because it it feels so severe. Like, well, it's not really a, a level of threat if, um, you know, if my if my kid's not listening or if I have to work a little bit long. Um, but I understand that the general context of it that you have your your green, which is like assuming the person wasn't aware of the boundary and does want to respect it. So again, you're starting with kind of the the gentlest language. And then it escalates to yellow, which is kind of a follow-up to green. Maybe someone has blown through, you know, kind of ignored your initial request, your green request. And now you're basically needing to reiterate that with slightly firmer language to help convey that you're serious and that this is not okay. And then you have red, which is your your highest level. This is you know, essentially the last reminder. This is where you're going to state what the consequence will be and uses very direct language. She advises that when you're setting boundaries, you use the minimum dose for the maximum effect. So how softly can you say this while still effectively establishing the limits? That's like what I was talking about earlier with you're not going to immediately jump to the the level red, super direct language, almost like kind of accusatory, here's the consequence. You're going to start off nicer, kinder, still clear, but um, not trying to make, you know, a mountain out of a molehill. One thing she recommends, because generally, if you're not in the habit of setting boundaries, it feels awkward, it feels uncomfortable, practice. I know it's not what anybody wants to hear. I know when when I first started coaching and um, my business coaches would encourage me to like practice my my consult script or, you know, do mock coaching calls and things like that. It was the last thing in the world that I wanted to do. But practice makes permanent practice makes you that much more confident. You learn kind of the the words that resonate with you. It flows a lot better. So whenever there's something that you're feeling uncertain about, practicing is a great way to make it feel more natural and be more confident when you deliver it. And then therefore for it to be taken more seriously. So that's sort of the intro to the book. And then in the subsequent chapters, she breaks down the different types of scenarios where you might need to set boundaries. So I'm not going to cover all of them because some are much less relevant to why you're listening to this podcast than others. So for example, there was a chapter on like setting boundaries with neighbors and things like that where it might be relevant for your life and it still might be useful for you to do, but it's really not directly related to your ability to lose weight, do the things that, uh, that are gonna help you do that. So I'm focusing primarily on work boundaries, family boundaries, also kind of a little bit more dialed in with like your romantic relationships, your, your spouse, your significant other. Um, there's a lot of good stuff on setting boundaries around food and alcohol. And then just wrapping up kind of with, Self-boundaries, which is super relevant here, and then how to deal with pushback that you might get from people when you do set boundaries, which is kind of a fear of like, well, yeah, okay, you told me to to you know expect the best and that these are gonna go over well, but you know, you don't know my husband or you don't know my mom, and it's not gonna go over well. It's like, what do I do then? So we're gonna cover that too. So we're gonna start off with work. And this one I think is important to cover because a lot of why it's hard to find time for ourselves is because work spills over into all of the time that we allow it to. People will take as much as you're willing to give. And it's not other people's job to guess where your boundaries are. It's up to you to set and hold them. Your company, unless you are very, very lucky, is not likely to set boundaries for you. And what ends up happening is that your job is just going to consume all the time and energy and space and attention that you have if you let it which is this situation a lot of us find ourselves in, is it just kind of spills over, especially if you work from home, especially if you own a business, um, really if you have any sort of level of responsibility that just feels like there's always something that you could or should be doing, or you're trying to you know, get ahead or look desirable for a promotion or a raise or things like that, work can very much monopolize everything that we have to give. So if you're finding yourself in that position, it is on you to try to do something about it part of what makes setting boundaries at work difficult though is the the power imbalance that you need to sort of toe this line and figure out is there a consequence here that I can actually enforce that part is harder than actually setting the boundaries in the first place you Likely don't have the luxury of quitting. You probably need the paycheck. So it's not like you can really kind of play this tough guy role of, you know, if this doesn't, if I'm not able to clock out at 5 p.m. every day, then, you know, here's my resignation. That's probably not an option. So it sort of puts you in this position of needing to think about how much you're willing to compromise your boundaries for that paycheck, which there's likely not an easy answer to. So I mentioned that at the beginning just because you may be feeling stuck in your job and in your situation at work. And it may be the case that not a lot is going to change. And it may be the case that you can't just up and quit and find another job, but it's still at least worth kind of going through this exercise and figuring out where boundaries would be beneficial and trying to set and enforce them at the very least to help you learn what really matters to you and what you want to look for in the future in a different corporation. So one of the things she suggests doing regarding work boundaries is looking at how management models the behaviors that you're you know, related to the boundaries that you're talking about to see what the company culture is like and what you're up against. If you are in management, then you probably it's probably going to be easier for you to, you know, have a conversation with your peers and say, let's, you know, let's do this or let's kind of roll this out and roll it down, et etc., If you feel like you're kind of at the bottom of the totem pole and you look up at the level above you and level above them and you're like, oh, well, none of these people have any boundaries. So who am I to be saying, (laughs) you know, I'm not responding to emails after 6 p.m. when your boss's boss's boss is sending them out at 11 p.m. So the the culture in general will kind of give you some indicators as far as how easy or difficult it might be to set and uphold boundaries. And one thing that she called out, which I think is really interesting, is that it's kind of a red flag to her when a company says, "You know, these aren't employees; they're family," because it creates an even more unbalanced power dynamic. Where now, like, it's not just a job; it's a family, and you feel even more like indebted to to the company. Um, but in general, she says to pay attention to the expectations regarding how much you're expected to work replying after hours, whether you have late meetings or meetings that run long. If you are, you know, over capacity with your workload, how tolerant the company is of discrimination or how much they prioritize having work-life boundaries. Are you asked to do things that are unethical or things like that? Um, and if possible to look for someone in the company who does seem to have, Good boundaries, or at least better than kind of the norm, and look to that person. See, you know, can they can they teach you how they've done it? Can they give you some suggestions for um, for setting your own boundaries? Look, kind of for that for that ally, and and ask for help. You can also review the company handbook or HR policies and kind of use those as a foundation so that you have some backup, kind of a leg to stand on when you have these conversations. She also encourages enlisting the help of others, sharing your struggles with coworkers and recognizing that there's strength in numbers, that a lot of voices are more powerful than one. If you're not, you know, the, the one person who's advocating for let's all be able to eat lunch at this 12 o'clock meeting, um, if everybody is saying we haven't had lunch in months and it's affecting our you know, our health or quality of life or productivity, it's that much easier to feel like you're being heard and to kind of get what, get what you want from it. Um, She also encourages automating as much as possible. So especially regarding things like your specific work hours or when you're going to respond to messages and things like that, setting an out-of-office voicemail or email autoresponder, blocking off your calendar for the times that you need reserved for whatever else. If you own a business or you provide some sort of service, having a really clear cancellation policy, if necessary, (laughs) Leaving at the end of the day without telling people so that you're not getting dragged into, like, oh, I just need help with one more thing, or can you shoot this over to me instead, or that sort of thing. Um, She also cautions that you're not going to be able to address all of the boundary issues that you see at work all at once, but that the way you want to tackle it is the way you tackle any other thing that feels overwhelming, which is you just start with solving one problem that a healthy boundary can can help alleviate and start with the one that's going to carry the most weight and have the biggest impact on your health, or your happiness at work. And that in turn is going to create momentum and, you know, potentially start kind of this this movement where other people are, are advocating for setting boundaries and, and you know, shifting the company culture could begin with just one person. So um, I wanted to share a couple of the examples that she gives because I, I think these are really helpful to hear especially regarding the scenarios that uh, a lot of people might be experiencing. So one example is when your boss keeps adding things on your plate, but you're already really over capacity. You don't want to say no, but you're just feeling like nothing is going to get done on time or as well as it could be. I'm getting really burnt out. I'm not enjoying my job anymore. I would really just like rather quit than continue to live like this. So a green... Boundary. So just kind of starting off having this conversation for the first time would be something like I can add this to my workload if you approve other tasks coming off my plate or being pushed to the back burner and kind of share what's all what's on your plate, the status, the deadlines, et cetera, and figure out if this moves on, what gets moved off. A yellow boundary where um, this is something that you've talked about before and is continuing to happen, you could say, normally I'd step in to help, but I just have zero bandwidth right now with A, B, and C on my plate. So you can see it's a little firmer, a little more direct. And then red would be kind of the highest level where you would put in writing because we all know documenting in a corporate culture is important. I'm at my breaking point with my current workload. I can't take on anything new right now or it will negatively impact my performance and results, not to mention my mental health. Let's set up a time to discuss possible solutions. Okay, so for the sake of time, I want to move on to setting boundaries with family. So you you might be well aware of when family members are not respecting your boundaries or when you need to put a boundary in place, but just to kind of get the get the creative juices flowing it might be that certain family members visit unannounced or kind of overstay their welcome maybe they invite themselves into your plans when they weren't invited or they like want to be in the delivery room when you have your baby and you're like hang on a second um it could just be oversharing gossiping being negative in general sharing details on social media when you would prefer if they didn't um maybe it's Parenting your children when you feel like that's not their their role, interfering with your personal life, um, being unreasonable about the time that they're expecting to spend together that your parents want you to come over every single weekend and you're like, we have other stuff that we want to be doing sometimes. Maybe you have rules for your kids that your parents consistently break. Maybe it's assuming that you'll help do certain things for them when those asks are unreasonable. So a lot of different ways that that family can kind of encroach on healthy boundaries. You may also experience issues with your in-laws and those can be really complex because odds are that your spouse has experienced that same issue, but they've just kind of learned to live with it. And now you're the one kind of driving the change. So you can end up looking like the, the bad guy because you're sort of, Putting your spouse in the middle of like you and his or her parents so if that's the issue she recommends starting with an honest conversation with your spouse where you're sharing how you feel and how whatever the issue is is negatively impacting you and the family not doing it like in the moment when you're heated but at a a time when you're calm and it's actually a, a good time to have this kind of conversation when emotions are not flying and then asking if your spouse can support that boundary. If they can't, figuring out a compromise with them. Remembering that you're, that you're teammates and you're in this together. You're not adversaries. Uh, but if they are able to support that boundary, then sort of putting them in the position to have the conversation with their parents rather than you... You doing it there. The parents, your in-laws are a lot more likely to respect the boundaries that they're coming from their child rather than coming from you and sort of looking like the, you know, the, the bitchy daughter-in-law or whatever. One thing that she mentions when she's discussing setting boundaries with family is just the fact that if your family is not familiar with, with healthy boundaries, which is likely they're not if you are now just working on establishing them for the first time. So if if you grew up where healthy boundaries weren't really a thing or weren't respected, then odds are when you try to set them, you might get some pushback. You might feel like you're getting ganged up on or like people are guilting you or you're being labeled as high maintenance or whatever. That doesn't mean that you're wrong. It just means you're the first person who is kind of changing the... the the dynamic and odds are once you do, other people are going to be more comfortable doing it as well. But kind of somebody has to be first. So the steps she recommends for setting boundaries with family are to first get clear on what you want. Start with something small and start the conversation during a peaceful time, not when your mother has shown up on your doorstep again after you asked her not to. Be prepared to repeat yourself and know that it's probably going to take some time to adjust to these new boundaries, not necessarily because people don't want to respect them, but just because it's, it's new and different and a little foreign. Remind yourself that it is not selfish to prioritize your feelings and just don't accept the judgment or the guilt or the blaming that the person might try to put on you. If you're enjoying this episode, I want to invite you to join us in our coaching program Gone For Good. Gone For Good is our signature 12-week coaching program designed to help you develop the confidence, commitment, and consistency necessary to make reaching your weight loss and health goals inevitable. Our three-part framework helps you learn and master the exercise nutrition big rocks, provides comprehensive support and accountability, and teaches you how to take compassionate ownership of your results. With both group and one-on-one options, we have a Gone For Good package to suit your needs and help you overcome every obstacle between you and the weight loss you're after. Whether you want to lose 5 pounds, 50 pounds, or 150 pounds, we can help you in Gone for Good. For all the info and to join, go to estherabant.com slash coaching. Setting boundaries with your spouse or your significant other is kind of a a subcategory of that. She starts off that chapter by referencing what she calls the relationship golden rule, which is to say what you mean and trust your partner to do the same. I really like this one because I know... I'm not the only one who has probably in the past or may still currently do, talking to myself here, um, be in the habit of expecting your partner to kind of be a mind reader. Like, I shouldn't have to tell you I'm upset, you should just know because I'm acting this way and you should also know why. Rather than being straightforward and saying, hey, that thing just happened bothered me or I'm, upsetting, I'm upset about this or I'm feeling this way about that. And that when you get into the habit of being up front, saying what you mean, communicating well, and your partner does the same, it's much easier to communicate with each other because you're not playing like this dance of, well, she said this, but what did she really mean? Or he, he said okay, but the way he said it made me think it's not, where everybody's just like kind of playing these games. Like you, be straightforward, trust that your partner is gonna do the same, it's gonna be a whole lot easier. So how you actually do that is to first check in with how you really feel, rather than having that kind of knee-jerk reaction of like, I'm fine, everything's fine. No, I'm not upset. <laughs> and obviously you are like as I've said in dozens of episodes at this point, building in that pause to actually stop in the moment and ask yourself, what am I feeling? What am I thinking? etc. So before you respond to a question, before you say something, actually check in and figure out what am I feeling right now and then commit to communicating that in a clear and kind way. Another thing she mentions is that a lot of issues in a marriage or a committed relationship are not necessarily boundary issues so much as they're a lack of communication or a mismatch of expectations. So that setting a single boundary alone may not really change anything, still may be worth doing, but that more so most relationships just need a better foundation of open communication, trust, feeling like you're on the same team, being willing to explore the solutions together and committing to that openness Whenever you're discussing important things, this is one of the places that she references how therapy can be helpful, whether or not you're going together, that one person can change the dynamic of a relationship. If you are taking responsibility for your own feelings, if you're modeling the behavior that you want to see, that can do a world of good for a relationship and it doesn't need to be something you start doing after something stressful has happened. You can go to individual or couples therapy just because you want to be better prepared with the communication skills that you need to navigate the inevitable stressful times. All right, so let's talk about setting boundaries around food and alcohol because this is very relevant to why you listen to this podcast. And setting boundaries around these topics will make it a heck of a lot easier to behave in a way that will help you lose weight and then keep it off because you have put yourself in a position where you're comfortable stating your needs, enforcing them, etc. The people closest to you are the ones who are most likely to disrespect boundaries around food because they feel comfortable enough giving you a hard time or pushing back or that sort of thing. Food specifically has the potential or boundaries around food has the potential to make people defensive and reactive. So there's kind of some unique challenges that come with setting boundaries in this area, largely because our relationship with food is personal and it can often be conflated with our worth. So changing your diet can feel threatening to other people even if you haven't suggested anything of that nature. Another reason that setting boundaries around these topics might be a little bit extra difficult is because just by nature of setting your own boundary, it might make other people feel badly about what they're doing or not doing just because you're kind of highlighting this difference now. So you saying no to another drink or you saying no to dessert can feel like judgment If the other person is looking at your choices as a mirror to their own behaviors. So that might cause someone to feel guilty or envious or defensive just because you're doing something differently that, you know, they feel like they should be doing or want to be doing, but haven't yet, et cetera. So generally speaking, people's reactions to your boundaries, especially around food and alcohol say much more about them than they do about you. It's much easier to just kind of shove that boundary back at you than to sit with this, the discomfort of whatever that boundary makes them feel. And at its core, it's, it's due to fear or anxiety. It may be that the person is scared that your bond or your connection is going to disappear if you no longer have the food or the alcohol to bring you together. Indulging is so woven into our culture, that it can feel really scary if somebody starts to change that kind of on you. And additionally, it's kind of an unspoken rule that if everybody is indulging, or if there's a reason that we're doing it, it kind of cancels out the negative effects. So now if you're the one that's like kind of ruining that for everyone, it can bring up some some negativity in people not to mention that people's food choices are often deeply linked to their identity so the way you eat can reinforce that you belong in a certain group and it can be hard to set a boundary around that if now you feel like you're distancing yourself from that group of like well if i no longer want to go to a new brewery every weekend with you know my my running beer beer club then do I even belong in this group anymore? If I don't belong in this group, you know, who am I? This is who my friends are. So it can just kind of feel like it's rocking you to the core of who you are by making changes to food and and drinks. So she has some tips for setting boundaries around food, largely just kind of leading by example. Not talking about your body or anybody else's body, period, but especially to say negative things. Don't add morality or judgment to food. Don't comment about other people's food choices or how much they're eating or things like that. Don't talk about food while you're eating. Be extra cautious around your kids. And just like with some of the stuff I was talking about in the intro, don't rehearse disaster or like make a big to-do about it. Don't assume that it's gonna be a big deal. Don't give somebody like a science lecture of you know. Well, I learned that eating gluten, blah blah blah, and now you're it's your boundary is coming across as like kind of shaming them or trying to get them to change their behavior. Um, Related to that, like don't be judgy, and then just be prepared to change the subject afterward. I think we all know the awkwardness of you know kind of saying something that felt uncomfortable or is a little bit awkward or sort of. breaks up the conversation and then just like sitting there in uncomfortable silence afterward until somebody's like, so... So just have kind of something ready to state the boundary and then move the conversation on so that it's not becoming larger than life. Um, and remembering that this is, you know I'm sure you've heard this before, but that no is a complete sentence, that especially when it comes to food and drinks, unless someone is like forcibly pinning you down and putting food or alcohol into your mouth... You always have control over what you eat and drink and it doesn't matter if other people understand why you can just say no okay so a couple examples from the book Uh, my family is huge on cleaning your plate if I get too full to finish or I find that it's upsetting my stomach my mom guilts me into eating more talking about children starving or how much money she spends on groceries what strategies do you have for me so starting off with your your green level boundary. Can you please just give me a, one small scoop? I'm not sure how hungry I am and I can always take more. So I really like that one because it's just sort of setting the stage for I'm not saying this is all I'm going to eat. So don't give me a hard time about that. But like, let's just start small so that we avoid this situation in the future that keeps unfolding. Um, And also ties it back to being connected to your hunger and fullness cues of, you know, I'm I'm listening to my body. I'm not sure how full I'm feeling, how hungry I'm feeling right now. So let's just start small and, and see how I'm feeling. Your yellow level would be something like, I don't like wasting food either, but I don't also don't like eating until I'm sick. I can put it in the fridge or take it home, but I'm not eating it. And then red would just be very clearly like, I'm done. And then you put the leftovers away and you call it a day. Another example is if you have been avoiding certain foods, maybe you've done an elimination diet and you realize that you have a gluten intolerance or that dairy makes you super bloated or makes you break out. Um, For whatever reason, you recognize these foods are not good for for my health and I don't want to be eating them. But whenever you say no at a family dinner, I'm not going to have the bread or no, I don't want any ice cream, you're calling attention to the difference between your diet and other people's and you get met with, you know, accusations that you're anorexic or that you never eat or that you're starving yourself or that they're worried about your health. You've lost too much weight already, that sort of thing. And it's frustrating because you feel like you are doing it for your health. So what can you say in that situation? You can start off with something like, I know that you care about me and these foods don't make me feel good. I'm leaving them out because that's what's best for my health. And I would really love your support here. So really assuming the best and just being really straightforward. This is is the boundary. This is why I'm doing it. This is what I need from you. Yellow would be, I've been paying attention to what I'm eating and my mental and physical health has never been better. Please stop making comments like this. It's not helpful and you're not my doctor. And then red would be something a little bit more escalated of, I can trust myself to make the right decisions for my health, and if you can't respect that, I'm going to stop coming over for dinner. So that's introducing the consequence here of, I don't want to keep doing this over and over and over again, and telling you, and we have this be, you know, what every meal is like, this is what's, what I'm going to do to preserve my sanity if this continues, so and then we've got alcohol, which I just think is a fascinating topic. We've been talking a lot about it in our client community. A lot of us have been experimenting with drinking less or not drinking at all, seeing what sort of non-alcoholic options there are out there. And I think there's there's generally kind of a, a movement in that way with a lot of people starting to drink less. So it might be that it's getting a little bit easier right now to be turning down alcohol. But one of the things that uh, Melissa suggests here, she's been sober for for years is that when she first stopped drinking she would just tell people i'm not drinking right now and for whatever reason that kind of helped reduce people's defensiveness instead of saying i don't drink or um i'm not drinking which then led people to like ask a lot of questions like oh why not like are you you know what happened or are you pregnant Or that sort of thing um when she said right now which is like generally people are like oh okay whatever um But that setting boundaries around alcohol is hard because people are less likely to respect them as they drink more. Um, So one scenario that I wanted to share here is somebody wrote in and said, anytime I say no to a drink, somebody asks me why. And sometimes I'm fine with sharing, sometimes I'm not. How do I reply kindly if I just don't want to share? So you can start off by saying, I just don't want one. You could say, it's a personal decision and then change the subject, generally stops people in their tracks or if you need to escalate it, I'm not going to answer that and you should not be asking and then change the subject. So a little bit of a a reprimand there. Um, But I think that's, um, that can be helpful if you're experimenting with going out and not drinking or or drinking less is just, I found that I've in a, a lot of scenarios. I've chosen not to drink or I've eaten in a way that like is different for most people. And it really does just take practice to, Like say, oh, no, thanks. You're like, yep, like nothing you can do can convince me. The more you're asking, the more I'm digging in my heels and the more resolute I am that I'm not doing this. So you're just tiring yourself out. Like you're not going to change my mind. But the more experience you have in those situations, the easier it is to stand your ground and not get peer pressured or influenced into, you know, breaking your boundary. Okay, so the last couple of areas I want to cover are setting boundaries with yourself and then dealing with pushback. So I love the idea of self-boundaries. We talk about this all the time in coaching that over time when you set goals or you know make rules for yourself or essentially when you, when you create boundaries and then you don't uphold them with yourself, you are putting yourself in a position where you can no longer trust that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. You've damaged your reputation with yourself and it's really important to get that back. But it's really difficult to set boundaries with yourself because... Who's, who's going to enforce them? You have to enforce them yourself. Um, so not only that, but if you're typically reliant on external expectations for accountability, it's even more difficult to uphold your self-boundaries because you don't have that or you have to go out of your way to create it. And generally, when you're confronted with a boundary that you're trying to set, there's usually some sort of instant gratification right in front of you. And it's hard to hold yourself accountable and uphold that boundary when the consequence like kind of feels irrelevant or like negotiable. It's like, well, I'm the one who set the rules. So like, I don't really feel like following it right now. And there's no like system of checks and balances because you're a a one woman show. When all that's all that said, it's still important to practice setting boundaries with yourself for the reasons that I just said, you need to get yourself back to a position where you know you can trust yourself to do what you say you're going to do. Even if no one is looking over your shoulder. So one way to figure out where you need some personal boundaries is to just kind of look at your your days as a whole and keep an eye out for stressful times, times when you feel like you're being reactive, circumstances that make you anxious or just like generally not feel good. You, you might even have the experience of somebody close to you pointing out where you could use a boundary. And odds are you'll respond defensively. So if your husband is like, hey, have you noticed that like every night you're getting into bed and you're just enraged by something you saw on social media, do you think that maybe you should stop doing that? Your first reaction is not going to be like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for bringing that to my attention. You're going to be like, shut up, don't talk to me. Let me do what I want. But, you know, 30 minutes later or the next morning, you're going to be like, yeah, that thing you said, I think you're right. So anyway, it might take a little bit of work to figure out where you need some personal boundaries, but some questions you can ask yourself are, is there a habit that I really want to start and that I know would benefit me, but I just keep blowing off? Or the flip side of that, is there a habit that I'm stuck in that I know isn't serving me, but I don't know how to stop? Is there a goal that I'm working toward that could be furthered if I just set a limit? So... All of those, I think, are really useful journaling prompts to figure out where are the ways that I'm standing my own way. I can't tell you how many people I've had who have told me, you know, I'm what's standing my way. I'm my own worst enemy, that sort of thing. So actually pinpointing what are the, the habits that I want to build or break? What are the boundaries that would help me make more meaningful progress toward my goal. Another thing she highlights is that we might tell ourselves that there's not really a consequence of breaking our self-boundaries, but there is a consequence. The consequence is getting more of the same. Continuing to have a strain on your mental health or your relationships or your work life, continuing to feel bad, continuing to not make any progress. So those consequences might be intangible, and it might just be like, well, that's like already the status quo. It's so like it's not that different. But when you think about it, you are not happy with exactly the way things are, because if you were, you wouldn't be trying to set these boundaries in the first place. So bringing the connection, bringing your awareness back to there actually is a consequence of this, both in the short term and in the long term. So her tips for setting self boundaries are. Number one, if the boundary that you set for yourself is feeling restrictive look at how you're framing the consequences of not respecting it that the boundary is not a punishment but an act of self-care that if you're somebody who has been relying on external accountability then share your boundary with other people to create that for yourself and to keep trying to work on believing that you can trust yourself and that you are worthy of keeping promises to yourself and Give yourself grace. Recognize that it's going to be a process. You're not going to be great at it right away. And that's okay because you'll get better with time and practice. So um, I want to go over a few of the examples here because I feel like these are really relevant to the challenges of showing up and and doing the things you need to lose weight and keep it off. So, um, one is like, I, I find myself scrolling through Netflix on the couch every night. I stay up way too late. And then I either blow off other things that I need to do or, um, or both that I stay up too late and I don't get anything done. So like, what's my boundary here? So these are just a bunch of these, these don't have the same red, green, Yellow, that's not the right order, but you get it. Um, These don't have the same like threat level. They're just like some examples of different boundaries you could set. So you could make a personal boundary of I don't watch TV after dinner except on weekends. Or I set an alarm for one hour and when it goes off, the TV goes off. I only watch one episode of a show on weeknights. I set the TV timer to turn off automatically at 9 p.m. every weeknight. So just different ways to set a boundary around how much TV time you're doing, how late you're staying up, how unproductive you're being. The freedom that you experience if you uphold this boundary is being free of that negative self-talk of I'm so lazy, all I do is watch TV again, you have more free time before bed, you get better sleep, and you start your day feeling more prepared and energetic. The consequence of not upholding the boundary is feeling rushed in the morning or not getting everything done that you wanted to that night, going to bed stressed, not sleeping as long, waking up tired and cranky. So the big takeaway here is like to see, I've talked a lot about when I was overcoming my own uh, binge eating behaviors, how I started to see the fork in the road and pause and say, like, okay, I can take the familiar road of you're going to overeat, you're going to feel like crap, etc., Or you can do the other thing, which is then going to help you feel better and more confident and proud of yourself. So that's really what you're doing here is the boundary is pretty straightforward. I'm watching less TV. This is specifically how I'm going to do it. And these, this is the fork in the road. These are the two outcomes I could experience depending on whether or not I uphold this boundary. If I do uphold it, here's all the positives that come from it. If I don't uphold it, here are all the negatives that I continue to experience from it. So rather than feeling like a punishment, oh, I can only watch one hour, it's like, oh yeah, I want to do this because look at all this great stuff that I'm going to experience as a result. So another example of that is when you're trying to start a morning routine and you just like can't make it stick. So boundaries in that regard might look like I don't look at my phone until I've done my morning routine. I set my alarm for 15 minutes earlier so that I can get these things done. I prep in advance everything that I need for that morning routine. I will not hit snooze on weekdays and I'll charge my phone out of reach so that I can't do that. If I uphold this boundary, I don't have the anxiety of starting my day from this like rushed reactive place and I can engage in self-care in the morning to start the day off on the on the right foot. The consequence of not doing it is that I start off feeling anxious and reactive. I don't get in my self-care that I know makes me feel good and I'm going to be disappointed in myself if I don't follow through. So again, just picturing those two scenarios and figuring out like which one do I want to feel like? The way I've been feeling or a different way that takes a little bit of discipline to get done but has major benefits of doing another one is with wanting to drink less alcohol but just feeling like it's a habit i find myself a glass and a half in before even realizing what's happening so a boundary could be i'm not going to drink for a month i'm not going to keep alcohol at home i'm only going to buy one bottle of wine per week and if it's gone it's gone i'm only going to drink on weekends and the freedom of upholding that boundary is not having the negative consequences of drinking, being able to explore other ways to cope and manage stress, not feeling like you're enslaved to a habit that's hindering you, and having more time in the evenings for doing things that actually make you feel better. The consequence of not beholding it and continuing to drink is feeling tired and unproductive, feeling a little bit weird about like, do I have a, a problem with alcohol? Maybe feeling embarrassed or ashamed and hiding your behavior from other people. So, um, I think the last one I wanted to share is trying to get consistent with an exercise habit and finding reasons to skip workouts. So boundaries would be, I'm going to go to the gym and just do, or, you know, go into the gym or whatever as you work at home, um, out at home. I'm just going to do five minutes, five mornings a week, or I'm going to start waking up 30 minutes earlier to get it in in the morning. I'm going to sign up for classes or meet with a trainer so that I have even more incentive to show up. The freedom from upholding this boundary is that you're not feeling guilty and unhappy when you skip it. You're moving your body in ways that feel good. As a result, you do feel good and you're proud of yourself afterwards. And if you don't uphold the boundary... You continue to feel guilty about skipping it. You're going to continue to feel low energy and achy and weak and all those things. You're going to be distracted about like, I should have gone and I'm frustrated that I like, can't follow through on this. You'll feel like you're wasting money. So that I think is a huge takeaway of just figuring out what are the two options that I have here? What are the consequences of continuing to behave in the same way and not upholding my personal boundaries? And what are the what is the freedom that comes with upholding boundaries that are important to me? So final thing, dealing with pushback. She acknowledges that the most common reaction in the moment when you set a boundary is likely to be defensiveness. It can just kind of cover up that, you know, maybe somebody's just like caught off guard. They're like, oh, I had no idea you were feeling this way or I'm surprised. Maybe their feelings are hurt that they're interpreting you setting this boundary as meaning something negative about them. Maybe they're just disappointed. Maybe they're embarrassed that they didn't realize what they were doing was upsetting to you. And now, now they're just kind of feeling weird about it. So a lot of times this defensiveness is not a sign that they're not going to respect your boundary. It's just that like they need a little bit of time and space to process it and to sort of decide how they want to, to deal with it going forward. Sometimes a negative reaction just stems from not having seen healthy boundaries in action before and just being a little bit confused and uncertain, like, oh, what, what is this? Like, you've never stood up for yourself like this before. You've never mentioned this before. Maybe it's because you're revoking a privilege that that person was really never meant to have. Maybe for years you've been letting somebody disrespect you or walk all over you, and now you're finally putting your foot down and it's just like rocking their world. But try not to jump to conclusions that their initial response is going to be their final response. But if they do continue to push back, remember that how another person responds to your boundary is not your business and it's not about you. She gives a few examples of how you can express empathy empathy towards another person without backing down on the boundary that you're trying to create so that might be something like i know this is hard to hear but not speaking up was making me resentful so it's better for our relationship that i do this is uncomfortable for me too but i'm committed to communicating better and expressing my needs more clearly i can understand that you're disappointed and i hope you'll respect that this is what is best for me or i understand that you're upset i will give you some time to process that let's talk later I appreciate you wanting to help. The best way to do that right now is to be just supportive of my decision. Those are ways that you can give grace to the person that you're talking to and acknowledge that this may be difficult to hear without saying, like, okay, you know what? Never mind, never mind, never mind. Forget it. Forget I said anything. You still deserve to set and uphold the boundaries that are meaningful to you. And also, you can do that in a way that is compassionate towards the other person. You might notice that you have kind of a double standard that you are working on setting your own boundaries, but you react defensively when other people set them with you and that this is something that you'll likely get better at as well as you get better at setting your own and really believing that boundaries are a healthy and kind thing to establish in relationships. You'll likely be better able to accept other people's as well. So I hope this was helpful for you. I hope it gives you a lot of food for thought and really helps empower you to set some boundaries in your own life, whether it's with your your parents or your in-laws or your spouse or at work or around food and alcohol, that doing so, although it might feel uncomfortable and scary, is still worth doing and that you will benefit in so many ways from setting boundaries with other people and learning to set and uphold them with yourself as well. Again, this book is The Book of Boundaries by Melissa Urban, so if you want there are dozens if not if not hundreds of examples of specific scenarios that she gives um, scripts for. So if you want to dive more into this, especially talking about um, work more neighbors, other sort of different scenarios there, there's really a wealth of resources within this book. Thank you for being here and listening to this episode. I'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the live diet free podcast. Whether this is your first episode, or you've listened to them all, I appreciate you being here. One way you can help this podcast succeed is to subscribe, rate, and review it. If you don't mind doing those things, I would love to thank you with a copy of our weekend survival guide designed to help you have weekends you enjoy that don't set you back from reaching your goals. Just send a screenshot of your review to admin at estheravant.com and we'll send it over. And don't forget to check out estheravant.com slash coaching for all the info about our Gone For Good coaching program designed to help you develop the confidence, commitment, and consistency necessary to make reaching your health and weight loss goals inevitable. Our three-part framework helps you learn and master the exercise and nutrition big rocks, provides comprehensive support and accountability, and teaches you how to take compassionate ownership of your results. With both group and one-on-one options, we have a gone for good package to suit your needs and help you overcome every, every obstacle between you and the weight loss you're after.